0: Welcome to Awakening's Movement podcast. Awakening's Movement is a community where dreamers become believers, and believers become doers. Today's message is going to be one that uh, that requires some openness, um, some vulnerability and some imagination. And uh, so as we begin, what I want you to do is I want you to close your eyes. And uh, I want you to imagine. Well, first, be present. First, breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth. In through your nose again, out through your mouth. So you're in this space right now. I want you to imagine the Spirit of God moving over your head, just as beautifully as the notes coming from the flute. So today, We're going to begin by talking about Kendrick Lamar. (laughs) How you going to go from Amazing Grace to to Kendrick, to Pimple Butterfly? This album is an Amazing Grace. You know, the Amazing Grace was written by a guy whose name is John Newton. And John Newton, um, he originally wrote the lyrics. Now, of course, Thomas Dorsey, as Danielle said, she was totally right. Oh, Walter said he was totally right, later came along and rearranged it um, as a gospel tune. But Amazing Grace was originally written by John Newton, who was uh, a curate or sort of like a pastor of a local church during the times of slavery. And uh, he wrote the song as a message to slave owners who were Christians to emancipate people because there was a grace for people to live into. There was a liberty for people to embrace as people who were followers of Christ, folks who were white and folks who were enslaved at the time, who were Africans, new, new to this country, brought to this country. So the song Amazing Grace was really sort of a letter that he wrote to people who were not just free, but people who were, who were enslaving other people, right? So they themselves in their own minds were slaves, right? Slaveholders were slaves themselves. And so he wrote them this message of Amazing Grace. Man, for me, um, I don't know if anybody has heard this album, Kendrick Lamar's album, it is is that kind of message. It is a message to inspire a riot in the heart of those who listen to emancipate themselves for the sake of God's purpose. Some may not know. But um, Kendrick Lamar, he said this. He said, I want you. This is what he says about, about the album in a New York Times magazine. I want you to get angry. I want you to get happy. He said, I want you to feel disgusted. I want you to feel uncomfortable. When uh, John Newton first wrote Amazing Grace, it wasn't, it wasn't a song at first. It was the conclusion of a sermon that he was preaching in a very tense congregation, where there were people who were abolitionists, sitting with people who were slave owners. And so it's, it was a very uncomfortable message. It was a very disgusted message. It was a very happy message for some. And it was a very angry message for others, yet everybody heard it. And then John Newton concluded the sermon by letting them know that he had written and composed a song to bring some healing to the room. And he sang Amazing Grace at the end of the song. And history says that both abolitionists and slave owners alike had conversations that they never had, had it not been because of that album. See, really, um, Amazing Grace was a way to flatten some of the emotional dynamics around slavery. We've been talking about uh, emotional awareness. We've been talking about emotional know-how, because don't you know, guys, it takes an emotional know-how to live out your spiritual life? If you are emotionally unbalanced, you will be spiritually unbalanced. Turn to John chapter 15. Oh, thank you. John chapter 15, 18 through 25. I'm so excited about this message, dude. Kendrick Lamar's original name uh, in the hip-hop world was k but he um, was experiencing a life as a gang a member. His dad was a gang member, so it was a generation of living this, this life bound by gangs. And uh, a very close friend of his was murdered. And he was in the parking lot of a grocery store. In that parking lot, a friend's grandmother met he and his friends who were engaged in the anger around the loss of their friend. Is it chilly in here to you yes. Oh, good. Thank you so much. I see, I see people like this here, y'all just. <laughs> y'all trying to listen, but y'all, oh my god. This grandmother met him in the parking lot, and all of them received Christ on that night. Now, some have heard his first album, and that's sort of like a dramatic narrative woven into the fabric of the album that I thought was poetry. I thought that it was symbolic of something else. I didn't think that it was really like the story of Kendrick Lamar getting saved in high school, but it was. Did you know that? The first album was his testimony of his salvation. The second album, he says, is not the testimony of his salvation as a teenager who's in high school because he said he's a grown man. The first album was a retrospective album. This album is a present album. This is what he calls his baptism. Did you know that both albums, Good Kid, Mad City, and this album, To Pimp a Butterfly, both are Christian albums, albums that are are an expression? of his desire to see the world be saved by Jesus Christ. Did you guys know that? I didn't know that either. So you listen to some of the language, you're like, uh, this ain't Christian. Because <laughs> he's talking about people not killing his vibe, and he is not using blessing don't kill my vibe. Blessing don't kill my vibe. Blessing don't kill my vibe. I can smell the Holy Spirit from my soul. <clears throat> y'all like, nah, that ain't it. But he decided to speak from his context to the world a message of transformation, a message of peace. Can you imagine how John Newton's message sounded in its time? <laughs> it probably like he was cursing the institutions that be this album is magnificent. Can somebody read John chapter 15 beginning with verse 18? If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated you first. Wait a I minute, mean, what? Say it again. If the world hates Keep going. If you belong to the world, it will love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but you have chosen. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you: a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they if they obey my teaching, they will obey yours also. And they will treat you this way because of my name. For they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But, not, but now, they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates the Father as well. That's good. That's good, Walter. Y'all give it up for Walter. That was good, man. Man, we love this scripture right here, don't we? Yeah. like, that's why y'all hate themselves. Somebody say, yeah. Oh, that's Rachel. That's you. They hate you at the pharmacy. <laughs> you be shorting them pills. huh? I supposed to have 10 blue pills. Where are my pills at? (laughs) They be hating. You know what I'm saying? Listen, this scripture is not just used as a weapon, like to fight haters, it's also used as an emotional assessment weapon for you to understand what's happening in the world, right? Let's turn to John chapter 18, verse 19. And we'll return more to that. John chapter 18, verse 19. So then Jesus is teaching the disciples in John chapter 15. Turn to John. Chapter 18, verse 19, and you see his teaching become activated. Somebody read, beginning with verse 19. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. Keep please. Stop right there. What? 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 So not the man who was talking to Jesus. Some old random dude just like (laughs) and then he said what? (laughs) Did what he say? Is this the way you answer the high priest? But listen, that ain't even the high priest. You see what I'm saying? It's like some random dude slapping Jesus for what Jesus said to another man. Can you imagine emotionally what was welling up in Jesus' heart? Because Jesus was fully human and fully God. He was fully divine and fully man. Jesus was a grown, stinking man. Y'all know that boy's chest was swelling up. He was like, this boy slapped me. He ain't even talking to me. Right? (laughs) Jesus had a high EQ. Turn to Isaiah chapter 43. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. I like your shirt, too. Turn to Isaiah chapter 43. I didn't compliment you, Walter. I love your shoes. My uh, Adidas. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. Mm -hmm. Can somebody read that? right there the scripture says that behold scripture says behold I am making some things new right I to say all things a few things new right yes or no a few things are all, things? all, all things. things just some things right so then why is it when it comes to our spiritual development do we think that the only thing that God wants to make new is our spirit Maybe God wants to make new our mind. Maybe God wants to make new even our emotional understanding of who we are. Maybe God even wants to make new our physical bodies. If God is making all things new, it is essential for us to understand emotional intelligence. Now, we've been talking about this because we've been talking about mastering your emotions. If we don't master our emotions, we will become a what to them? A slave to them, right? We have to master our emotions. Let's read this together. Emotional intelligence, EQ. Don't you wish you had all this here? Yes. All day, every day? Yes. Don't you wish you had all this when someone was in your face you wish would scram? Scram, that's 1980s vernacular for leave, you know. Don't you wish that you could live this way? Yes or no? Yes. I really do. I, I, I so desperately want to have a high EQ. I, I so badly want to use, understand, manage my emotions in positive ways to relieve stress. I want to communicate effectively. I want to empathize with others. I want to overcome challenges and defuse conflict. I really want to do that, guys. I really do. I don't always do it, though. In fact, there are more times I don't do it than times I do. But there is one who did it consistently. And who was he? Jesus. Among all of those who entered into the human experience, the human story, Jesus consistently maintained a high EQ. So what is an, an EQ? Um, one of the elements of EQ, Danielle first mastered a talk and a teaching about self-awareness for EQ. Y'all give it up for Danielle. I was live. Then the week after that, Anthony last week talked about self-management. Y'all give it up for that boy. He killed it. Today we're going to talk about self-awareness. Let's read this together. Ready? Read. Self awareness, social awareness, sorry. You can understand the emotions, needs, and concerns of other people. These are the specifics of social awareness. These three areas of movement that your emotions must go through if you are to be moved by God. The only way to be moved by God is to transition your emotions through these three phases phases, to be effective in how you lead people, how you love people, and how you live your own life. Let's first talk about the, uh, the first one. Understand the emotions, needs, and concerns of other people. Understand the emotions, needs, and concerns of other people. What keeps us from understanding the emotional needs of others? That's not rhetorical. What do you think? Selfishness, what? Our own needs. Our own needs. You know, the Bible says, love thy neighbor as I love myself. Self first, neighbor second. You said what? No, do it again, please. Everybody, please look. Do it again. Do it again. Robin. Robin, no. Robin, no, don't do it like that. You got to pop it, Robin. That's just because she's so nice. It's never about her. She's always about others. What's another one? Pride. 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 Ego. 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 I said greed. 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 You said what? Shame. Whoa. Talk about that. Why you say shame? I don't know. I don't even know what it is. You know what? That was God's spirit speaking through you, though. I think that we are carrying the weight from the past into present relationships, weight that's rooted in our own personal shame that we project onto other people. You know what I'm saying? That was powerful. Thank you so much for that, man. Um, Kendrick Lamar said this, the ghost of Mandela. Hope my flows, they propel it. Let the words be your earth and moon. You consume every message as I lead this army. Make room for mistakes and Depression. He does two things in this that communicates his emotional awareness, his social awareness. Number one, he communicates that he's a prophet, like he has a message to share with people, a prophet that is um, going to move people into their purpose. But then he communicates emotional balance by saying, as I lead this army, make room for what? He admits that he, as a leader, is capable of making the same mistakes as those that he is quote unquote leading. This dude has a high EQ. I love this picture of him in GQ, because I never, see, I never really see him smile. And I like the little gap, because my baby girl has a little gap like that you know, in certain uh, uh, tribes in, in Africa, like that gap communicates royalty. I love this. This dude has a high EQ. And you know what he's able to do, according to the people who manage him? His manager says this his manager says he is the most emotionally aware and mentally stable person that he knows you listen to his music and you don't always hear that right so it's a a growl you know what I'm saying he's roaring but that's when he's on the microphone but when he, he he's in his everyday life he is even keeled he's trying to always stop drama and to create new life for people this dude has a good EQ and you know what I think he does I think he has the ability not to take on the emotions of others personally. I think the problem that keeps us from being sensitive is that we take the emotions of others what? Personally. Do you know another way to to call personally? To take something personally means to take personal responsibility for it. So that means that you decide that you're going to care for what other people think about you. You're going to manage it as if what other people think about you is a big old lawn, and you're going to cut the grass, you're going to trim the edges, and you're going to do this consistently every single day. Are you prepared to do that? Do you have time to do that? Do you have time to do that in the summer? Let's talk about doing it in the summer, right? Yeah. Taking things personally communicates both to you and to the other person that you are taking personal responsibility for what they've said negatively about you. Don't take negative feelings personally. There is positively nowhere to take them. Don't take negative things Personally, there is positively what? Nowhere to take them. The moment you take negative things that people say to you, okay, we're talking about social awareness, be aware of what people are saying that's negative about you and how they feel. But the moment you take it personally is the moment that you take a negative thing nowhere positively. You're going to take a negative thing what? Negatively. You're going to take it into your other relationships. You're going to take it into your relationship with that person. And guess what? You're going to take it internally. When somebody gives you negative feedback, let's call it that, let that negative feedback just remain where it is. But you don't take it personally because if you take it personally, it then becomes your responsibility to fix somebody's feelings. And you can't make anybody feel anyway because you didn't make them. Only God made them. You're not the maker. God is. So you give that person's opinion of you and their feelings to whom? God, the one that made them. And then maybe he can make them feel better. But you, my friends, cannot. It's not personal. It's prophetic. It's not personal. It's prophetic. The book of John says they don't hate you. They hate who? Jesus. So when you hear someone give you negative feedback right, that would take you into a negative space, you need to stop and say, wait a minute. Now, let me clear something up. I'm talking about when people are giving you negative feedback and you're doing the right thing. They're giving you negative feedback and you're doing the negative thing, then you are the person who's probably giving them negative feedback and they're giving you negative feedback from the negative feedback that you gave them. (laughs) I'm talking about when you are doing what is right and someone gives you, someone hates on you, please don't take it personal. Because when you take it personal, you don't honor the prophetic message that Jesus gave early in the foundations of the Christian movement. That boy said, they going to hate you because they hate what? Me. The very next couple of chapters, they came hating, coming to get that boy, didn't they? Yeah. And the first thing that they began to do is to chastise him for who he was. And Jesus, with flat feet, nose to nose and chin to chin, told them, hey, I know who I am. I have not kept it a secret. Do you know why Jesus did not take it personally? We only get offended when we have something to defend. If you ain't got nothing to defend, you ain't going to get offended. If somebody comes up to me and says, you know what, Marlon? You have a beautiful wife. You have a beautiful little girl, period. I'm not going to be like, what? I got a beautiful what? What you mean by beautiful? I'm going to be like, you know what? You're right. But it's in those moments when people say, you know what, dude? You got an ugly attitude. Your breath stinks. Your booty's too high. You got a high booty, and you put that high booty on. <laughs> and you put that high booty on a budget. <laughs> Bring it down. <laughs> That's when I'm be like, what? Well, well, I, I got a, I got a high what? <laughs> my, my breath, my what? Right? That's when things become questionable, and I take things personally, which means that I get offended because I feel like I have a high booty to what? Devine. <laughs> The second is to pick up on emotional cues. Okay, so the first one, don't take things what? Personally. Take them what? Prophetically. Take them what? Prophetically. Thank you so much. The second is to pick up on emotional cues and feel comfortable socially. To pick up on emotional cues and feel comfortable socially. What keeps us from both picking up on emotional cues and feeling socially comfortable? Picking up. In other words, OK, sensing that there's some tension in the room or in, in the midst of a conversation, and also having ease, also feeling socially comfortable. Like you're not carrying what happened in that, rea- in that conversation with you throughout the whole day. What keeps us from picking up on emotional cues and also feeling socially comfortable? We're not present. We're not present. Talk about that. Ah, I like that. I like that. Put put a pin in that. Yes, I love that. Insecurity. Insecurity. Yeah. Talk about that. Um, maybe you don't feel worthy of a conversation. Or <sighs> worthy of some time. So true. So true. Inside noise. Inside noise. Talk about that. And all of these are sequential, if you really look at them. Our insecurities lead us to the place to where we have inside noise that makes it so that we're not present. Because we're not hearing the noise. We're not hearing the conversation that's in the present. We're hearing the noise of our haters from the past. And we're anticipating the noise that may come in the future. Insecurity leads to inside noise that leads to a lack of presence. I like that. Kendrick Lamar said, playing the victim only works So long. He's been been criticized for this album. Because people have said that Kendrick Lamar, while chastising young African-Americans to do more with their lives than to complain that they don't have access to opportunities, and that the only option they have is to do things that may not be lawful, right? He says, do what you can with what little you've been given. He's been getting criticism for this message. Do you know why? Because people are saying, you are not taking into account the whole social parameter of race around the justice system, around the socioeconomic system. You're not being realistic, Kendrick Lamar. But Kendrick Lamar is a prophet, y'all. He's speaking to the future. He's not speaking to what's bound by the present. I think that he's able to move past the criticism of what people are saying to really do his message, to live his message, because he understands this. We not only pick up on the negative emotions, others have toward us, we hold them for ourselves. Sam, would you pick up that cinder block? Could you bring it to me? Okay, yeah, Sam could probably bring it. Now, don't put you back in, don't put you back in there, man. You a young man. I saw you on that guitar boy. You could do this. So let's say Sam has um, he, Sam is holding a negative opinion or emotion of me. Sam can hold that opinion because he's strong enough to hold it because it's his own. But why do I have to take hold of what he holds? When I take hold of the negative opinion that Sam holds, thank you, man. Ew. I walk around like this here all day. <laughs> yeah, what? Well, I ain't got time for that. You don't have both hands to do the work that you're supposed to do at work, right? Not just that, but you be lopsided, one side, you're off balance, and not just that, but you have a fatigue emotionally, mentally, and spiritually that you are not born to have because you're carrying a cinder block of another person's opinion when really you should be sending that person's opinion to the creator of the cosmos. Just because someone holds a negative emotional opinion of you does not mean that you need to what? Pick it up. You can pick up on an emotional cue and not hold their emotions. You can pick up on an emotional cue and not hold their emotions. You can pick up on your mama's emotional cues and not hold her emotions. You can pick up on your significant other's emotional cue and not hold their emotion, because if you hold their emotion, you eventually are going to resent them for the weight that they've put into your life. When really, they didn't put the weight in your life. You took it from them. You asked for it, right? when you did not intentionally say to yourself, I honor and I pick up on your negative emotions. I pick it up. But I ain't gonna hold it. Because I got too much to do today. (laughs) I can't walk around with your cinder block. We can pick up on how others feel without holding those feelings for ourselves and for others. When When you hold how other people negatively feel for you, don't you know that you turn around and you hold those same feelings for them? Now, check it out. Jesus is trying to do the right thing. He's saying the truth. And some random dude he's not even talking to, what? Slaps him in the oh, Now, y'all know Jesus could have called 10,000 angels to like <laughs> drop kick him times 10,000, like a legion of drop kicks. You know what I'm saying? Just You know what I'm saying? The M16 drop divine drop kicks from heaven, he could have done it. But that boy Jesus, do you read anything of his response to that? All Jesus does to respond to somebody negatively slapping, slapping him is give them the what? Truth. When people approach you with negative opinions, please only respond to that person, not with another negative opinion. Oh, well, you think I got a stink attitude? Well, look at your stink attitude. That's you taking a hold of the negative opinion that they hold. Why not do what Jesus did? Just give them the truth. The truth is, I love you. I mean, well, you don't act like it. Truth is, I really care for you. I mean, look at you. You just, you know what? you just fake. I take and terrible I get it. Truth is. I really want to have a great time with you today. You don't look like you want to have a great time with me. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) Truth is, I love you. We feel held up by, held down with, and held to negative emotions others hold for you. Held up by. That's a matter of timing. And I like what Ella (coughs) said about presence. Held up by. Say held up by. Held up by. Have you ever felt? In other words, you've had a conversation with the person, you had that conversation an hour ago, and you're still having the conversation with them. You're going to tell me. You ain't going to tell me what I said. no, You're going to tell me. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I'm going to tell you right now what I'm going to say. Let me tell. No, you know what I should have said? What I should have said was, and then the next person you talk to, hey, man, how you doing, man? I'm all right, man, but I had this terrible conversation. Let me tell you about it. You're still having the conversation. So you are held up by how someone holds emotions for you still an hour later. Can I tell you what happens? Dude, bring me the dry erase markers, I'm sorry. Can I dry erase things? Uh, Can I tell you something? The problem is, is that we are not in tune with divine timing. Divine timing says that all we have is the present. Jesus in the perfect prayer said, give us what? This day, our daily prayer. And when he's speaking of this day, he's speaking of this one moment that we're in, this one breath that we have. Mike, my yoga teacher taught me about breath. Uh, Nikki, you remember we went to uh, Mike's class? And he was talking about the breath. My sister was like, oh God, I just felt like just things were melting away. That was the last time she went. So uh, I'm just playing, I'm just playing Auntie Nikki. I'm just come on, don't, don't, come on, don't hate, y'all. Don't hate. Celebrate. I'm the no one hating. <laughs> what happens is, is like, let's say that this is the present moment, right? And the present moment can only hold so many negative opinions of others, right? It can only hold so many. And then let's say that this is the past moment. And I'm doing this P like backwards. That's the past moment, right? And this is the future moment. I know that the P is backward. So this is what happens. A person says one negative thing to us, right here. Now, let's do. They have three areas of negative feedback. Three areas of negative feedback. Why are you laughing, mommy? Mm hmm. They have three areas (laughs) for podcast listeners. Mommy is my wife. They have three areas of present feedback. But that present feedback sends triggers of past feedback that we've had maybe 12 times. 12 people have said something similar that this one person said around three specific areas. And then we anticipate in the future that probably 24 more people will have that same kind of feedback. Rather than being in the present moment, we multiply. Let's add, because I don't know if I could do this multiplication. (laughs) We add. (laughs) We add. We get, let me tell you, this is why we get held up. We get held up. We get held up in the present when people give us present feedback, because we add past feedback to present feedback Two, the anticipated feedback. Me see. <laughs> you said what? Woo, that boy, go to Rice, he's a, Look at that. Look at that fingertip. You see? What's that I think? What's that I think? How much does it multiply to? You did that in your head? dog. On a, on a good day, we add it. <laughs> on a bad day, when we tired and ain't got no sleep, we multiply <laughs> So what happens is, is you're not just in the present, ah, sorry. What happens is, is you're not in the present moment hearing the three areas of feedback in the present. You're multiplying on a bad day past areas of negative feedback times the feedback you anticipate you gonna get either from this person or from somebody else. And so the weight that's on the present is not the three areas of feedback that somebody gave you, but the 864 areas of feedback. And you're like, man, this is so heavy right now. And all they said was that you just need a Tic Tac. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're like, people always be hating on my tongue. I can't stand this. People always don't want to hear what I got to say. It's like, no, they were talking about your breath. No, 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 they're talking about how I talk, because just because I talk white does not mean that you have to talk to me this way. It's like, no, you're, you're adding things to this that aren't even, aren't even there, okay? So that's how we get held up. We get held down. We get held down because we think that what somebody thinks is who we are. Don't you know that what somebody thinks is what they think? Period. There ain't no ellipsis. Dot, 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 and maybe it could be who I am. What people think is what they what? Think. It's not like an ID tag. It's not a dog tag for us, another person's thoughts. Another person's thoughts are simply their own. And so the weight of what that other person thinks weighs us down, and we think we can't move forward. Or hell, too. We feel guilty. My friend, what's my man's name? What, What? Aaron. Aaron? You know when you talked about shame? Like that's that's the hell too. Like we feel ashamed by what people tell us that's negative feedback. Because we immediately take personal responsibility for it and we act out of our shame by screaming. We act out of our shame with negative emotions. And maybe on the flip side, if you give somebody negative feedback and immediately they lash back at you, why not interpret that as shame? You know what I mean? Why not say, oh my God, I shame this person. I called them out. Maybe I could have done it differently. When we, oh, I'm sorry. Where is the dry race thing? Dang, you guys are good. Thank you, Danielle. Bean made fun of me the other day and said, man, you're right, and always be interrupting the next screen. <laughs> when others hold negative feelings toward you, remember you are positively held by whom? Just because somebody holds a negative opinion of you doesn't mean that you are suspended by the hell that they're giving you. You are lifted by the heaven that God has placed in you. Just because someone holds a negative opinion of you does not mean that you dismiss how God holds you. I love this Isaiah scripture. It says this, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Well, somebody's saying, okay, Marlon, technically, how did Jesus do it? How did Jesus get slapped and not want to slap back, right? Technically, how did he do it? I think that Jesus understood the scripture in ways that many of us don't. When someone holds holds a negative opinion of you, why don't you take that negative opinion, put it on a table, and behold it differently. The problem is, is instead of beholding or looking at a negative opinion, negative feedback that someone has for us, we take it on. Don't hold it. The Bible says what? Behold. Moving forward, anytime somebody gives you negative feedback, whether it is true or whether it is false, the first thing you do is to not take it personally. First thing you do is to not take hold of what someone holds of you. The first thing you do is what? Behold it but you behold it through the lens of a person who is held by God. You behold it through the lens of a person that God got. The reason why Jesus did not slap back, because Jesus knew his purpose. He knew God's plan for his life. He knew he was supposed to go to the cross, but he also knew that he was going to be resurrected, and he also ultimately knew that God's message was going to be authenticated and that Marlon Hall, thousands of years from the moment he got slapped, would be sharing a message about how we can live more significantly by upping our eq because jesus did not slap back are you thinking into the future as to what god wants your life to say to people thousands of years from the present maybe it is time for us to stop holding so much and to behold more the problem is is that we're holding so much i I look you know i hate i hate sounding like an old man you know but man i'm telling you when that bag lady come on that erica badu anybody ever been to an erica badu concert and she starts singing bag lady like all the women, the hips just sway harder. They be like, "You gonna hurt bag lady? You gonna hurt your what? Bag? What's the rest? Come on, I know now you know it. Drag dragging all that what? Dragging all that bags like that. She ain't talking about wagon either. You know that right? She's talking about personal baggage that once was not your own personal baggage. Don't you know that most personal baggage? Is not yours. You ever been to the airport and somebody had baggage just like yours? And you ended up taking their baggage and then you saw your own come around the thing too. You'd be like, oh, look at that, go mine too. The problem is, is that where we should be beholding people's baggage as they go onto the line, we are holding it. And then our baggage comes along and we take it too. And then somebody else's baggage comes along and we take it too. And ultimately we are carrying more baggage than we can hold simply because we did not stop and behold the negative opinions of others through the lens of a person who is held by God. If you know you are held by God the way that Jesus knew he was held by God, even though he was held captive, ultimately you will see negative opinions differently and you can unearth them for what they can do for your purpose. I love I am doing a new thing now it springs forth do you not perceive it God will turn the wilderness of negative opinions into a new pathway for you to do things you know that right if you behold it God will turn the desert of how people treat you into a river if you behold it but many of us are living in deserts in our relationships Lord have mercy Many of us are living in the wilderness of our relationships simply because we are holding more than we are beholding. Perceive it. Behold. God is making all things new, even in old negative feedback. You can validate the negative feelings others hold for you without taking responsibility for it. Validate it. The best way to validate the negative opinion of somebody else is to just look at it. So they give you feedback. Jesus didn't be like, you, you a lie. Did Jesus say that? <laughs> you a lie. Let, let me tell you. Let me, let, me, let me tell you. I say, I got you now. I got you. I got you now. So you not messed up now. So you messed up now. I got you right here. I got you right here. Oh, ho, ho, see? <laughs> that boy was like, he asked a question. He's like, haven't I been out in the open? Haven't I been saying everything in public that I'm telling you privately right now? Why don't we use more questions than statements and responses to people questioning us? When someone questions you, give them another question. Don't I love you? Ain't I just told you this morning that I love you and that you look good? Oh, not, 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 oh, oh, now y'all got private conversations in the back. <laughs> Oh, talk talk about it. (laughs) I I have no argument. No, I'm saying you're saying don't behold it, right? I'm saying please behold it. But behold it means to catch, to what else? To perceive. To have a clear idea. Right. It's to observe. Behold is to observe. So, in other words, um, don't use your hands in response to negative feedback. First, use your eyes. Don't use your strength in response to negative feedback. Don't use your knuckles, right? Use your ears. Just listen. That's how we validate. Most times when people give you negative feedback, they just want to be heard. So just hear them. And then ask them a question when they question you. You are not responsible for holding the negative feelings others hold for you. Let them hold them because you are not made. Here's the last one. Recognize the power dynamics in a group or organization. Why can't we do this? Why don't we recognize the power dynamics in a group or organization? Because sometimes what? Sometimes Talk about that. Powers that be manipulate the power. Yeah. Anybody else? Why don't we recognize when we walk into a situation where people are are struggling for power and instead of just being sensitive to the struggle, we join the struggle? (laughs) In fact, we go from protesting to rioting. You know what I mean? Why why do we do that? Why is it easier? To go. To flip out. Yeah. That's so true, that's so true, that's so true. It makes feel like we're releasing power to someone else. And then it lets us feel like we don't have control over it if we don't, if we recognize someone else's power, instead of first recognizing your own and then setting. So that I like what you're saying. What you're saying is that we move from a power a place of power, not to have power over people, but to recognize the power that we have in us. So he said, I have power in me, and I'm gonna stand in my power. Yes, sir, and then. I'm gonna understand, too, that instead of being a follower, when you stand for righteousness, you sometimes have to stand alone, instead of following. That's so true. a part of the right. Loneliness, yeah, I totally agree, loneliness. Right, 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 we feel open. I don't want to go back to that. Um, I think we feel taken advantage of and used by people. I think that for so long we've been in group dynamics, and when we do stand up and we are that person who's vulnerable, people take advantage of us because they call us weak, you know what I mean? Um, Or when we do, when we are that person who is alone, we feel that ultimately we have been used by people. Right? When we submit to God's way of leading in groups, not just like fighting back in group dynamics but submitting to god's will in the midst of group dynamics and i want us to say this together let's say this together this is a confession in those moments when you walk into group dynamics and you feel like you're being used ready read i am not being used by people i am being used by god so i don't owe people grief i owe god glory when you walk into group dynamics and you take the road that Jesus took and people just slapping each other like they slapped, they just slapping, just hitting each other one after the other. Don't you start slapping. You submit to God's will. You say, you know, I'm going to have a high EQ in this moment and I'm going to be like Jesus because I know my purpose. I'm not going to hold the negative opinions of everybody in the room. I'm going to behold what's happening in the room because I know that I am held by whom? I know that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to submit and I'm going to begin to serve people. You find ways to serve people in group dynamics when it becomes hostile. If there is a riot in a room, you start pulling out the water. You pass out the water. Anybody need some water? Y'all all right? right. When people start rioting, you pull out the Band-Aids. Ooh, let me get you that Band-Aid. They, they, hit, they hit you good. I'm so sorry about that. Right? When people crack jokes, you don't laugh. You go to the person who's being made fun of, and you tell them, hey, man, I really appreciate you, man. No, when you crack jokes. Well, then, girl, you the person. You the, you the group. <laughs> you need Jesus. You don't need to act like him. You need him. No, no. I, so you're saying that crack, cracking jokes is a way to relieve the tension. Yeah. I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah. In other words, find something. Find the beautiful side of what's ugly. And like Bing said last night, think, bring the comedy out of it. Bring the funny funny out of it. But we don't do this because most times and not, we walk away from those situations and we feel punked and we feel like we have been what? Used. But never again should you feel used by people if you are a person who's following the will of God, who's living meaningfully. You're never going to be used by people. You will only be used by whom? Now when God tells you to leave a particular group, you hightail it out of there. I'm not talking about staying where God has not called you to stay. I'm saying when God has called you at work, if God ain't called you to leave your job tomorrow, when people start getting messy, right? it's your job to turn the mess into the master's work and to not feel that you are being punked or that you are being taken advantage of. Read this with me. Ready? Read. I am not being taken advantage of by people. I have been granted the advantage of being the loaner, not the borrower. Most people in situations where they're grappling for power those are people who feel like they have a deficit in their emotional bank account. Yeah. Yes. But you, who are a person who is rooted in his or her emotions, a person who is not poorly seen by people alone, but richly loved by God divinely, you are the person, you got so much money, you got fat pockets emotionally. And so you can loan people a pass. You can say, you know what, let me get, let, let me get you a loan. You cuss me, you know what, I'm, I'm going to let you make it. I'm going to put it on my credit. My credit's good. Because I have been credited the divine mission of the creator of the cosmos. That's who backs my credit. I don't have no deficit. But many people living in our world from day to day that you encounter are in a unique place of spiritual and emotional deficit. Do you know that? And so it's not our responsibility to remind them of how empty they are, but to know how full we are. And out of the overflow of our fullness, give people a break, man. Cut people some slack. Be kind when people are curt, be cool when people are not nice, find beauty where people are ugly. You have it in your account. What I want to do right now is I want to invite you to begin to ask yourself on a scale of one to seven, seven being the IQ, the EQ of Jesus. Where is your EQ? Where is your capacity to be socially aware, to be sensitive to the emotions of others, to understand group dynamics, to not take things personally? Where are you on a scale of one to seven? When you get slapped like Jesus got slapped, do you slap back, or do you body slam? Right? Somebody said slap, choke, slap. How do you, how you choke? Kick. You said what, drop kick? You, drop, you emotionally drop kick? <laughs> hey, I'm, talking, I'm talking about shame, man. You should be ashamed you emotionally drop kick people. Where are you from one to seven? Close your eyes right now. Dear God, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus that um, after Natasha comes and navigates us through the offering, we will come, Lord God, and bring our scores to you our standing to you, where we are emotionally. If you be seven, if you be the complete number. If zero be the work of the enemy, meaning we are just demonic, straight up. Navigated by the antagonist of our soul, rather than inspired by the protagonist of our soul. Lord, we bring our standing to you. And Lord, I thank you that With every step that people take toward this altar, exactly, with every step that people take toward this altar, Lord God, they are incrementally increasing their capacity to be socially aware of their environments and to bring about your anointing, to not just be so bound by the past and worried about the future that they can't see your present power and passion at work through their emotions. With every step they take toward the altar, they are moving closer and closer to where you are. Lord, we get slapped all day like you did. But we thank you, Lord God, that we will not just turn the other cheek. We will behold the negative opinions of others through the lens of a person who is uniquely held by the creator of the cosmos.